Welcome to Have Food, Will Travel podcast. And I am your host, Ozarks, with Have Food, Will Travel podcast. Hope everyone's having a good day. Uh, We are going to jump into a couple different things this afternoon as far as food trailers. One of them, I kind of wanted to go over how uh, the city of Boston does their food trailer setup for people. And the other thing that I wanted to discuss is going to be the lawsuit that a group of food trailers has brought on the city of Jacksonville, South Carolina. So let's go ahead and dig into this and see what's going on. Uh, The first thing that I'm going to do is we're going to discuss the stuff in Boston, just because it's on the lighter end of things. Um, One of the very first things that caught my attention when I was doing my research was the fact that food trailers in Boston are actually done through a lottery. So here is how the lottery system works in the city of Boston. Uh, It says that we award all public sites through a lottery system. There's an annual lottery before each vending season. Lottery sites are kept throughout the year unless they are dropped New vendors can submit an application on a rolling basis to join our program. They'll be awarded sites based on where where and what is available. Um, so basically what that means is at the beginning of the season, they do kind of like a, basically a live auction or lottery and somebody with that food trailer system has to be present in order to gain that spot from what I'm understanding. Uh, so there is that that is probably uh, I will be looking into that in more detail just to see how many different cities do that but we it's one of those things that because see Boston did not even put in any city ordinances until 2011 for their food trucks and so they have very different rules and regulations that come along with their stuff and as we dig further into food trailer stuff like that we will be looking into various places that have higher end not higher end but they have stricter rules and regulations on their food trailers so basically how this works it's food trucks have an opportunity to drop sites without a penalty this must happen within deadlines set forth by the city of boston we make the drop sites available for new participants to use throughout the year. It says you must submit the drop form by drop deadline for each quarter. After you drop your site, we make the site available for other food trucks and trailers. You have two weeks from the permit issue date to pick up your site permit at Public Works. You can also coordinate a pickup with the mobile enterprise manager. So that is something that I personally never ran into on our food trailer. Um, I definitely think that it, I don't know how I feel about that per se. It seems like a good idea, but there are roughly, um, as of 2021, I do believe there were 95 food trailers inside Boston. Uh We do not run things here like that here where our food trailer is set up, but I think that it is 
something that would work and it's been working for them ever since. So I'm also going to go through a couple regulations here with the city of Boston and I'll give you my thoughts on that as well. So some of these are going to be fairly common with most food industry establishments, whether it be mobile or through brick and mortar. But here is a couple of them that I have found just some of the more common ones. Uh, the uh, permitting regulations for mobile food trucks, 17-10, City of Boston. Uh, the committee shall mean the commissioner. Oh, sorry. A description of the food trailer must be set forth to the city. Uh, here's another one. No person, business entity, including religious organizations, charitable organizations, shall, shall operate a mobile food truck in any public, private, or restricted space without permit issued by the committee. A mobile food truck permit is required for each and every mobile food vendor. So basically what that is meaning is if you have multiple food trailers inside the same city, each one of those is going to have to have, to have their own set of permits and licensing. None of that is transferable. So there is that. And that's pretty much, you're going to run into that anywhere that you try to operate or run a food trailer. So we're also going to take a look over here at food truck grading, which is something I would imagine it's done by the health department in the city. And I don't, I've never heard it called that, but yeah, the health division of inspection services inspects all restaurants and mobile food trucks at least once a year. We check for compliance with health and sanitation codes. Our inspections are scored and we give establishments a letter grade of A, B, or C. So that's basically going to be your health department and, and you're going to run into that no matter where you try to operate with a food trailer. I don't know how the bidding site works per se itself, because as I said, I never ran into a system like that, but I guess if you have that many food trailers inside of a city, they want to ensure that people are getting places to be able to set up. Now, their ordinances, on the other hand, they do not, um, I did not dig into those a whole lot. That may be something that we dig into further, mainly because I wanted to get into this Jacksonville, South Carolina lawsuit that has been brought up from uh, the group of food trailers out in South Carolina against the city. And they've actually gotten lawyers involved and they're in the process of suing the city and it can be found on the National Institute of Justice because they do have lawyers at the National Institute of Justice that will help this type of situation. Like if it's something cutting edge, they will help for free typically. So I want to dive into that. That is one of the things that I find interesting because a group of food trailers here in my area is also dealing with a similar thing, although we have not gotten to the point that it is time to sue the city. They seem to be trying to work with us fairly well. 
But anyway, I'm going to read you this headline and then we'll get into it. It says, today a group of small business owners teamed up with the Institute of Justice to file a lawsuit challenging the city of Jacksonville anti-competitive regulations of food trucks and private property. The city's restrictions effectively ban food trucks from operating in over 96% of the city. Jacksonville's, Jacksonville's restrictions on food trucks serve no legitimate purpose, said, J, said Institute of Justice attorney Bob Belden. The city is simply seeking to protect established brick-and-mortar restaurants from competing, and there's no role for the government. That And that's no role for the government. The lawsuit is brought by Nicole Gonzalez, the owner of Northwoods Urban, Urban Farm, who seeks to host food trucks on her property. Anthony, Tony Proctor, owned owner of the Spot Food Truck, and Octavius Ray, Raymond, the owner of the Cheesesteak Hustle Food Truck, and its commissary. So the goal of the lawsuit is to strike down three different regulations imposed by the city of Jacksonville, South Carolina on food trucks and or the property owners that are trying to host these food trucks. The first property owner, first property owners cannot host a food truck if the property falls within 250 feet of the property containing another food truck, a restaurant or, a resi or residential housing. Secondly, the city restricts food trucks ability to advertise by limiting operators to one five by five sign, a frame sign with no external lighting, which cannot be, which can also not be above the truck and must be within 20 feet of the truck. Thirdly, the city requires all food trucks to pay an arbitrary annual permit fee of $300 for residents and $500 for non-residents. Even though almost all food trucks over all, uh, almost all food truck oversight comes from the county and the state, not the city of Jacksonville, South Carolina. This is much higher than neighboring towns, some of which do not even charge fees for food trailers to be inside the towns. Um, that is something that a lot of people have seen quite a bit. You know, like here in our area, we have a town not too far away from us and it is in the process of trying to be fixed, but I do believe their annual fee is $500 every six months. And basically what they do is, is they take $500 of it and hold it. And if you do not pay on your taxes, they take that $500 and add it towards your tax bill. They're the only city around here that has done that kind of thing. Um, and like I said, they're in the process of bringing it back up for a vote, but nobody knows whether it's going to change or not. But most of the towns around that area, they charge between 25 to $35. And most of the time it's no higher than $50. Now there are times, you know, when, you have to pay both the health department and the city to operate inside that given city. And that is going to happen. But typically the, the charge is no more than $50. So there's that. And then you also, the one thing I did forget to mention about this town close to me is that 
they also charge you $35 per person working on the food trailer. So if you have three people, there's another, you know, almost a couple hundred dollars added to it. So you're paying over a thousand dollars to operate within the city for a year. And I get it. They're, you know, they're trying to, in my opinion, they're trying to protect their brick and mortar businesses. So that is understandable. But the problem with the area that I'm talking about specifically in my area is a lot of it is dying off and most of the traffic is on either side of it in little towns next to it. Um, but anyway, let's dig back into the Jacksonville, South Carolina thing, because I definitely want to read some more on this to you. It says Tony mostly operates the spot food truck in other cities, but he does sell food sometimes in the parking lot of new beginnings, Christian center where he is a pasture with permission of the church. However, the city's rules largely prevent him from operating anywhere else. And if a restaurant were to open within 250 feet of new beginnings, he'd be kicked out of his spot there as well. Um, he went on to say, growing up, my grandfather instilled in me that good food can change a person's mood. And it's with this mantra and focal point that we serve our customers, said Tony. People have come to love the life, the Florida style seafood that is brought up to South Carolina that I served New Beginnings Christian Center. And I truly wish I could change more people's mood with our food throughout Jacksonville. But the city's rules prevent me from doing that. That is one thing that I have come to notice with a lot of these local governments. They try to, um, they impose unrealistic goals for food trucks and trailers. So like the regulations that they have put into place for this gentleman, they, uh, not only this gentleman, but everyone in general that tries to operate a food truck within the city. And they are, you know, like you can't have signs up above the top of your food trailer. I get it if you're under something like a guide wire or some sort of electrical, but to be able to dictate somebody's business that far doesn't seem very economic or not very friend user friendly to me. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I think that they kind of went too far with that situation. And hopefully this gentleman wins his case. These kind, these kind of things are popping up all over the place though here in the United States. And I'm sure it's in other places as well, but you know, like the city of Denver, I think I talked about this on the last show, uh, the city of Denver, they had a shooting a few months back. And the very first thing that they did was shut down all the food trailers on down in downtown Denver. And there has since been a lawsuit brought against them for that. So definitely going to update and see how that turns out for the, I do believe the national Institute of justice is involved in that one as well. But yeah, it's one of those things, guys, that if you're wanting to own and operate a food trailer, you definitely have to make sure you are staying up with all your rules, regulations, and stuff like that. 
um, because unfortunately ignorance of the law is not going to get you any leniency if you get caught or get in trouble for doing so. Uh, you know, uh, we have another local town here and they have since kind of given in. They kind of got sick of hearing from all of us food trailer owners, I would imagine. But over the summer, they had, over this past summer, they had actually put in a code enforcement that they were going to allow food trailers in the city. They signed an agreement with a couple food trailers that were trying to operate in the city. Well, what they did not tell these people when they did this was they went back through and did the same exact 250 foot rule that um, they did in Jacksonville, South Carolina. Now they did not have exorbitant fees, uh, but they definitely had the 250 foot rule. Uh, the only thing that they did not include in theirs was the residential part. They could have it in pretty much anywhere as long as they were not within 250 feet of a restaurant, but it was not a competing restaurant, you know, something with competing menu items, anything like that. They were solely restaurant. And what they did was, was they had actually, I do believe encouraged their business owners, the people that own brick and mortars to turn these food trailers into code enforcement. And a couple of these were, uh, forced to shut down because of this. And we found out about this through another, actually one of my hosts that I've had in the past, um, reached to go coffee company. She went to go set up and city was like, Nope, can't happen. Not like you got to shut down. So we ended up started going, going to their city hall meetings and they do them bi-weekly rather than, uh, monthly like most places do. And the first go around, we got about 20 minutes to talk to them. And then after that, they started enforcing, they have a three minute rule to where each person can only talk for three minutes. So we just started bringing multiple people. They would not put us on the agenda to actually give a scheduled time. Uh, we have since formed our food truck coalition, but we as a coalition bugged them enough that they finally gave in and they're going to be deleting the verbiage out of their code enforcement of the 250 foot. So, uh, they will get through their budgetary meetings here at the end of the year. And then they are going to, they're supposed to be deleting that and allowing food trailers into the city. It's one of those things that if you push hard enough and you, uh, let them know that you're not going away. Uh, they will tend to work with you with this kind of stuff. Now, obviously bigger cities may bring bigger problems. That is kind of why people with like lawyers from the national Institute of justice have gotten into this kind of thing with a lot of these food trailer owners, because most of the time, you know, your independent food trailers, sometimes they come from, for lack of a better word, sketchy backgrounds, not everybody. Um, but sometimes they do. And so they don't have that representation inside the governments, inside your local governments, inside your bigger city government, state governments, stuff like that, because there are definitely some bigger cities or not bigger cities, but there are some States that 
the state actually runs the food trailer industry basically to where like here where I'm at, you have to, anytime you go to a different County, you have to be inspected by that County and you have to be inspected typically by that health department. And if it's inside of a city, you also have to be inspected by that city. So, I mean, it can get expensive very quick to where are, there are some States out there and I will look into this type of thing. I've heard of it. I've never looked it up per se, but there are definitely, uh, there's definitely states out there that control it rather than your local entities. And they, they have to have, you know, they're just trying to get their money. That that's kind of what it is. And people wanting their piece of the pie. But, you know, like here in my area, I was actually, it was a different topic, but I was having this conversation with some friends of mine and we actually uh, like our local state, any tax that you pay, goes directly to the state and then the state will disseminate it down to individual counties and cities and provinces, stuff like that. To whereas you go to another state sometimes and they will, you have to pay that town or city directly. And then you have to turn around and pay the state or, you know, whoever, whoever gets money. But yeah, this, I'm definitely going to be following this Jacksonville, South Carolina lawsuit because it seems to be, what it looks like to me is there's a brick and mortar business and then a couple of food trucks and that are involved in this thing against the city of Jacksonville. Uh, and sometimes that's what you need. Uh, you need to be able to pull the support of your locals. Sometimes your brick and mortar businesses, because guys, there are brick and mortar businesses out there that want to see you succeed as well. Uh, I definitely think, and there's some brick and mortar businesses that do both brick and mortar and food trailers. Sometimes you can find support there as well, but, uh, Raymond actually goes on to say Jacksonville's rules have made it impossible for me to operate inside the city. I've had to take our business on the road to other areas that are more open to food trucks like Wilmington and Charlotte. Um, and sometimes that, you know, if you don't live inside of a bigger city, sometimes you're going to want to do that anyway. Uh, I know our food trailer personally, like we do not stay in one area because most of the time they're scattered out so far. But I definitely think that it's one of those things that you want to get familiar with your uh, constituents and your acquaintances with this, like they will lead you in the correct direction. Uh, most of the time people are always open to questions inside this industry. Uh, other than my military experience, I have never found another industry that has been more open and willing to help one another than what I have in the food trailer industry. Uh, I've been in this for going on four years now. We just ended out our third full season going into our fourth about March of 2023 and there are still times that I ask questions every time I run into a new food trailer owner, whether it's been, um, whether it's been a new one or somebody that's been in the industry for five to 20 years. I like to conversate with these food trailers, like to, some of them will let you look into their food trailers, uh, especially if you're not competition, but the, uh, 
the food trailer industry, as it grows, I do believe a lot of it is going to continue to stand up against these uh, governments that are just kind of outlandish with their rules and regulations. I don't know how a lot of uh, a lot of other places continue to operate theirs and I'm going to continue to look into that kind of stuff but here's a couple of the uh here's a couple more regulations from Jacksonville and some of these are kind of crazy I'll actually go back and read the uh one about no type of exterior lighting and stuff like that here real quick because it was I've never heard of anything like this but we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, food vendors may only set up on property that is zoned corridor commercial or industrial. Uh, that is pretty standard a lot of times. Most of the time, unless it's a private party event, in most places you're going to come to find that, that you can only set up in certain types of areas just because of things like traffic, complaints from residents. So I understand the residential thing completely. Um, but there there shall be a maximum of one food vendor per lot except in accordance with city-sponsored or other special events. That That in itself right there tells me a little bit of what you need to know just for the simple fact that it's okay if the city is sponsoring it but you better not do it on your own. Uh, any food vendor shall be at least 250 feet from other parcels, parcel containing food vendor, low density, medium density, high density, or residential, downtown residential zoning district, and or a restaurant. Um, permanent alterations to the site are prohibited. Um there is food vendors shall not obstruct pedestrian or vehicular vehicular traffic ways. That one's completely understandable. You're going to find that in most places. Um, operation of food vendors shall be limited between the hours of 6 a.m. and 2 a.m. That's pretty, that's pretty standard. Uh, I would imagine that the 2 a.m. things probably when shortly after their bars and whatnot close. Uh, food vendors shall, the food vendor area shall be swept and cleaned daily. That's pretty standard. Uh, each vendor shall provide trash receptacles in sufficient size to meet the needs. That's pretty standard. You're going to find that in any brick and mortar, any kind of, uh, high traffic or not high traffic, but food trailer area. Um, here it is. Food vendors shall not utilize any source of exterior lighting for the purpose of advertising the use any exterior security type lighting shall be dark sky compliant uh so that right <clears throat> that right there tells me for one what happens if you're there after dark and you need a menu for or a light for your menu what do you do about that situation is the city going to provide areas with enough lighting that you don't have to worry about that type of thing so, um, food vendors may only be placed in private property with written approval, notarized 
of the property owner. Uh, documentation shall be displayed in plain view at all times. So that is something that is going to happen pretty much anywhere. Uh, that type of stuff. They want to make sure that the owner is allowing you to be on that property. And that does not mean the manager. I have actually ran into this issue before myself. Um, they want to make sure that the owner of the property itself knows that you are there and operating with their uh goodwill so and you also the other thing you have to worry about on that kind of thing is and i don't know how this works in every state but like here in our state there are certain business properties that somebody owns the parking lot and then somebody owns the buildings because somebody's come in and built the building so um you would actually have to get the property owner that owns the ground so the parking lot where you would be set up at uh, and the signage thing, you, you are only allowed up to a five by five A-frame sign within 20 foot of the food truck trailer cart. And then signage that can be placed on food truck vendors, truck trailer or cart, including backlit menu boards. No signage may be placed above the height of the food truck trailer or cart. Again why would that matter? I understand if it would be a safety issue or if you were around somewhere that has guide wires, lines, or even, you know, close to like helicopter pad, but chances are you're not going to be sitting next to somewhere like that anyway, if the city is dictating where you can be at. Um, I also know that there are a few states that what they will do is they will um, make you have a GPS on your truck so they can come find you at any given time, whether you're open or closed. Um, and then programmable electronic message center signs are prohibited and all other signs is prohibited, including LED rope and string lights. See, that in itself right there, a lot of people like to decorate their trailers, whether it be for attention grabbing or for um, safety purposes so stuff can be seen. Because if you're not allowed any exterior lights, how's somebody going to see you? You could get hit. It almost seems like that would be a safety issue to me. Um, but a lot of people do it for the attention grabbing thing. Are you going to put these food trailers somewhere that are well lit enough that it's going to bring attention to them. I, uh, and then the rest of the stuff that Jacksonville sets out is pretty common stuff. Um, stuff like shall not be within 15 feet of fire hydrants. Uh, here's another one. Amplified or audible sound devices are prohibited generator exempt from this standard. So basically you can't have any kind of music playing exteriorly. You can't have any kind of stuff like that. And I, I don't know, I guess I still live in an area where that kind of stuff is allowed because we don't have major metropolitan areas. I could see how that would be a distraction to people driving by and passing by. Um, Another thing, outdoor seating is prohibited unless, unless outdoor seating already exists for the principal use and occurred with the appropriate permits. 
we're actually where I'm from, we're actually encouraged to carry that stuff with us so people can sit down and eat their food because we want people to continue to come back. It's about comfort here. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of it's pretty much standard. It is stuff like, um, that you must return to your commissary every 24 hours to clean the food trailer, stuff like that. I know here where I am located, you cannot go longer than two days without returning to your food trailer or to your commissary. I apologize. Um, and completely deep cleaning the food trailer. Now, in the event that you have like a three day festival, because I've done three day festivals, um, they would probably make an exemption for that. However, most of your festivals are not going to last any longer than a couple days, typically like a Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. You do run into the ones that um, are like week-long music festivals, but those are kind of a pain to get into anyway. But anyway, guys, that uh, that kind of sums up what I wanted to get into today. Uh, I do have a couple of, you know, even Kansas City, Missouri, they do not have the lottery. I actually was looking into the lottery thing in Kansas City, Missouri today. Uh, just cause it kind of intrigued me. I'd never heard of that. And so they do not require these, uh, lottery things to win your spot. You do have to let the city know where you're going to be at all times, just so if the health department or whatever wants to come out and inspect and do their thing, that is something that they can do. Um, and a lot I've, I've actually in doing research throughout this, I have started to notice that a lot of these bigger cities and bigger areas actually have what they call a pre-open inspection. Um, and they're a little bit different than what they are in brick and mortar just because they have to know where you're returning to. They have to know where you're, you know, because you are mobile, even though you have the freedom to go where you want, when you want, you also have to, they also have to have that commissary inspected. So that is kind of where, like we personally own our commissary here. Um, we actually use our, because our food is actually not cooked. Our health department actually allows our big food trailer to be used as our commissary. And when I say not cooked, we cook our food, but it's all done in Instapots. All of our meat is done in Instapot. We're not continuously running a grill. We're not running a fryer. So we don't even, we're not even required at the current moment to keep a hood system in our food trailer. So, and those hood systems can get very expensive, very quick. If you're not careful, even in a mobile unit, I know in a brick and mortar, they can cost upwards of depending on how big $10,000 or more food trailer. You're probably looking around 1500 to 2,500, depending on how big the food trailer is. But this, uh, the National Institute of Justice actually goes on to say that they are, uh, it's ridiculous that the city of Jacksonville, South Carolina has these restrictions that violates the rights of not only property owners, but food truck operators and deprive Jacksonville residents of 
tasty and nutritious food. That came from Institute of Justice Senior Attorney Justin Pearson. Um, Institute of Justice has stood up for the right of the food truck owners to earn an honest living all over the country by defeating similar ordinances and limited that limited where food trucks and trailers may operate. Nearby in Carolina Beats, Institute of Justice lawsuit led town officials to repeal an unconstitutional law which required food truck owners to also own a brick and mortar store. Um, in Fort Pierce, Florida, in Fort Pierce, Florida, Institute of Justice helped defeat a law that banned food trucks within 500 feet of an established restaurant. And then in Louisville, Institute of Justice beat a law that blocked food trucks from serving within 150 feet of any establishment that serves food. So that's kind of like, kind of getting the point that I'm getting to. Um, these type of things are found all over the country. And if they're left unchecked, then it is going to be something that they will continue to do and they will continue to tighten down. But the best thing you can do is come together with a group of food truck owners uh, that have similar interest inside your city or even your general area and stand up and challenge these people because they will continue to do it as long as you can get away, as long as they can get away with it, in my opinion. So I think that, you know, they will Institute of Justice, I do believe, is going to have this one pretty much handled. It may take a while to get there. Um, and I would definitely I would love to be able to reach out to somebody at the Institute of Justice, and I may do that for an episode in the future just to check in on this thing and try to get some real time um, data in on it, that kind of stuff on how the court case is going. But I almost bet you that they have a similar situation to my local area and find common ground and settle this thing before it ever even gets to that point. Because the last thing that a city wants to do is show its citizens that they're trying to keep people from making an honest living. Um, and that, that is kind of what my friends and I are trying to do at our food truck coalition here locally. We are trying to bring businesses, food trucks and trailers that are good for the community. You know, people that have their crap together, they they're carrying insurance. They've got, tax ID numbers. They've got, you know, stuff like that because there are some food trailer owners out there that we have discovered in our local area that will try to kind of go rogue if you want to, for lack of a better term, they won't cooperate with other food trailers. They try not to cooperate with cities, stuff like that. And that is not something, if you're going to correct this type of problem that are within these cities you have to show these cities that you are professional and that you mean business in order to get stuff done. And that's kind of why we formed our food truck coalition because we were having tons and tons of pushback by these smaller areas that people wanted these food trailers in. People wanted to see them, but either due to expense um, or due to ordinances, stuff like that, it just wasn't able to be done. And it's not very, it wasn't very food trailer friendly. 
but you will always find this type of thing. But anyway, guys, I'm coming up on my time here. So I wanted to thank everyone for coming in. Uh, next week, we will not be doing a show due to the holidays. It will be between, um, it will be right before Christmas. So we will be taking a week off and enjoying our families. I hope everyone does the same. Uh, you guys can definitely hit me up. You can follow me here on Podbean. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on TikTok for the time being. And you can also follow me over on Clapper. Clapper is mainly where I'm at. I tend to go live over there at least every other night, sometimes nightly. And, um, but yeah, you guys can definitely reach out. And if you got, if anybody out there owns a food trailer or knows somebody that owns a food trailer, reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the show sometime. And, uh, I will definitely be reaching out to somebody at the national Institute of justice. Cause I want to hear some more of these types of stories and hopefully be able to bring you guys some updates on this thing with Jacksonville, South Carolina as time goes on. But anyway, guys, I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I will definitely talk to everyone and hopefully see you back here in a couple weeks. Have a good night.